So you want to watch a movie, but you don't know which. Choosing the one can be a bitch. But Jared and Drew have perfected the art. So sit back, relax, and trust the dark. It's Dartboard Movie Night. What's going on, everyone? I'm Drew. And I'm Jared. And welcome to Dartboard Movie Night, the podcast where we put 20 movies on a board, throw a dart at it, and let the fates decide. This week, we're knocking off another dual shamer, this time nominated by Jared. It's one of, if not the defining film in what I'd call the inspirational kids sports movie genre. We're talking The Karate Kid, (laughs) starring Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita. Another shamer down, Jared. Another shamer down, and maybe my one of my favorite reads of yours. Yeah, I, that was really good. I don't know what I'm calling the inspirational like kids sports movie genre. I, I just mean, liked what, it. I got a kick do, out. Of what it. else do you call it? I don't know. It was it perfect, never... dude. That that's, it's, yeah, it's like Rocky for toddlers or something. Like that. <laughs> Todd Rock, or for, or for high schoolers, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, but anyway, no. I mean, it's it's very much in like a genre that. I think was at its height when we were kids, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm thinking of stuff like rookie of the year, the sandlot. Um, I guess a lot of baseball movies, but, but yeah, this is a, this is a very big shamer. I mean, it's, it's a classic kids movie. It's a classic sports movie. I think it kind of falls into both categories. Yeah. And I, I, this was one of my nominees, right? If it I'm not was. mistaken, I was really surprised when I nominated this and found out that you also hadn't seen it. It's so weird that we have these dual shamers. It's what, like, what's going on? Yeah, and I mean, as opposed to E.T., where I felt genuine shame over not having seen it, this more felt like cultural shame, where it's mm-hmm. like it, it's so pervasive in pop culture that like I, I, I feel like I should have seen it. Yeah, it's definitely one of those Karate Kid, meaning like everyone assumes you've seen it. Like, so people will speak to you, like, with that assumption of mind of, like, you know, wax on, wax off, right, right? And I'm just like, I know what that's from, and mm-hmm. I can kind of piece together what it means. Uh, and oftentimes, I just don't even say. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like, no, I haven't seen that. I think this is also this is also one of those movies that, because it's so pervasive, like, I saw it pop up in a lot of, like, other media, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, one of my main memories of the karate kid and like how I know a lot of the beats of the movie was because when I was in high school, um, there were all those, you know, VH one shows where it's like, I love the eighties. I love the nineties, you know, Mm -hmm. where they'd like do a retrospective on a certain year, the 1984 episode of we love the eighties or I love the eighties, whatever it was called. I forget you know, they, they did a whole segment on this movie. So I had seen like a lot of those scenes in that context and heard comedians, you know, make jokes about it. And, and that show doesn't make a ton of sense to me in terms of why I watched it. And yes, there, there was comics on it's there. Early there was nostalgia funny. Bait. It is early nostalgia bait. And I honestly wonder like if some of these shows are to blame for what I perceive as this, like, almost sickly amount of nostalgia people especially our ages mid-30s are getting inundated with on like mm-hmm. a daily basis where it's just kind of just enough already and i want these shows were kind of the like the the predecessor to all of that sort of stuff and like i'm sure in like the 70s there was someone in their 30s like who pined for older times but i can't imagine 
Like they were getting so aggressively marketed to like we are. Uh, uh, something that'll come up later in the show. Uh, but I mean, we're talking about in the 70s, like Happy Days was was that version. Oh, that. that's a good point. You know, yeah, that's like, a good point. Like there, there was, I mean, Greece, same deal. Like there was nostalgia for, for the 50s in the 70s. So like, I think it's something that is cyclical on a certain Just level. Just like every 20 years. Yeah. And like yeah. somebody, I, I don't remember who it was. I was listening to uh, like a podcast recently and somebody brought up the idea of like when a generation gains control over media, it starts to to reference the things from that generation's childhood. So like, you know, Gen X right now is of the, you know, the ages in like, you know, the 40 to 50 range where they're kind of running these studios and they're they're the ones pulling the purse strings. And so they're financing all these nostalgia grabs for their childhood, you know? Yeah, for the for the out of their own self-interest in a way. Exactly. And yeah, and yeah. you know, I think I mean, there's a reason that the Cobra Kai TV show exists now. You know, it's like like that's everywhere in media, and and yeah. it's kind of kind of annoying to a certain extent. It, it bugs yeah. the shit out of me. But um, you know, every now and then there's nostalgia bait that's you know tied into something that actually is pretty good. And yeah. you know, not to spoil my thoughts on this movie, but this movie kind of holds up. I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah. um, so we'll get into that in a little bit. But before we get to that, how about we do a quick board review? At number one, we've got You Can Count On Me, number two, Ikiru, number three, Zed, number four, Rio Bravo, number five, Alien 3, number six, Anomalisa, number seven, Amadeus, number eight, Election, number nine, Get Carter, number 10, The Limey, number 11, Coraline, number 12, Big Night, number 13, Nashville, number 14, The Karate Kid, today's episode, number 15, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, number 16, Secrets and Lies, number 17, Seven Days in May, number 18, Snatch, number 19, Strange Days, and number 20, Altered States. I almost so said low. the Terminator. <laughs> yeah, it gets burned in, man. It really does. It but really dude, does. I, I just, I real quick before we move off of the board, I do want to reference the fact that you are on quite a fucking heater these days. Really, I haven't, I haven't been paying attention. In the last ten movies, only two of them have been mine, and one of them has been a guest choice selection. You know, you had predicted this a while back because you had noted. I don't remember the episode, but that the board was not in balance. Yeah. You had noticed that I had, you know, whatever it was, two thirds or maybe not that much, but I had a chunk of the board that went past 50 percent. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think, that pendulum swing that you kind of saw on the horizon. You know, you haven't broken the record of number in a row. Right. Like you've you've had at, the most you've had is four in a row. You tied or uh, tied the record when you went from Pi to the straight story to Operation Condor to to uh, Titan. Uh, but that stretch got, that got broken up by <laughs> reflections of evil. Uh, but you have seven of the last 10 movies. That's that's a lot. We need to get some Drew choices in here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the dart is the dart. <clears throat> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking ahead. I was going to say the same thing. And then like, I was like, well, just, I don't want to be a dick. <laughs> those are just words. Yeah. The dart is the dart, Jared. Thank you for that observation. Head pat, head pat. Nice job. Anyway, let's <laughs> let's let's move on to the streaming check. 1984's The Karate Kid. Currently available on Netflix. No surprise there with Cobra Kai and everything else. Everywhere else is pay to rent at the moment, but I mean, super famous movie, you'll be able to find it. Absolutely. Easy to find. 
and easy to watch. It's a very, very simple, pleasant watch, I would say. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, if you're with us and it's a shamer, give it a look. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This is a Jared selection. So let's start out with the normal first question. How did this get on the board, Jared? This is one of those movies where kind of like you were saying, is very aware of it culturally, but I never felt the need to watch it. You know, neither you nor I have older brothers. Like we weren't really handed a lot of like quote unquote kids movies from say the decade before. And this was one I just didn't see. My friends didn't watch it when I was growing up. And that's how I kind of got introduced to a lot of movies in the 80s and 90s is through friendships. Uh, my parents weren't really watching a ton of the stuff. They kind of stuck to the classics, like old Disney movies and things like that, Lion Kings and a more modern sense. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but this one I just missed and felt like I didn't need to see. I just kind of, I was aware of Wax On, Wax Off. And we've we've talked about this before, this idea with the shamer where you feel like you get it without ever having seen it because it's so, um, you know, and sure, to a modest degree, but it's true. It's kind of interwoven into American culture for people our age. It's just, it's not like it comes up every day, but like, it's just kind of a part of the fabric of like moviegoers in this country. So yeah, it was very much of that opinion of like, well, what's there to see? A uh, kid gets beaten up probably, uh, wax on, wax off. He gets mentored and tutored and he wins the karate fight. I don't really need to see it. <laughs> karate fight. <laughs> but... um. But yeah, that was kind of my thinking is it must have come up in conversation around the time I put up on the board. And I was like, Karate Kid might be a fun one. Like, it's definitely in that shamer mode. Given this is your first time watching it, what is your reaction to the Karate Kid? I liked it a lot. Borderline loved it. Really? Wow. Yeah, borderline loved it. There were things that was like, okay, I can't not roll my eyes at that. And that's a little silly. But The movie was such a fun kind of assortment of layers of enjoyment where, yes, there was a component that I was expecting, which is like cheesy, sort of like high school-y and 80s, to my surprise, kind of goofiness that I could kind of chuckle at. But then there was actual really good stuff in there, like some surprising scenes. I was like, that's a really fucking good scene. And I was watching it with a friend of mine, John, and I was just kind of sat up at one point on the couch and was like, I'm, I'm legit enjoying this movie. I'm not enjoying it as like a tongue in cheek, like goofy way. There's, there's stuff in here that's legit really good. And I really enjoyed that combination, like really good and cheesy good. And there was a little bit of cheesy bad in there, which I'll get to eventually, but it really was very minor. And overall I was like, Okay, yes, it is straightforward. And yes, you know, it's paint by numbers in a lot of ways. It's paint by numbers. And it has been kind of people have talked about how it is very predictable. And it is that. But, you know, it's just I really enjoyed it. I felt good watching it. I watched it twice in like a 48 hour period. And the second time didn't feel laborious to me. I was enjoying to kind of get back in and get to know the world a little bit better. Not, you know, get this is a little bigger than I mean it to, but, you know, get to know the characters a little bit better and kind of see other things that I may have, like, you know, not really appreciated on the first go around. So, all in all, I would say I really liked it more than I thought I would. I didn't think I'd hate it, but I thought I'd be laughing at it a lot more than I was. And um, yeah, I, 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 I really dug this movie. 
what you kind of said you <clears throat> you kind of mentioned how you definitely dug it. I'm kind of curious to what extent and how do you feel about the Karate Kid in general? I think I'm mostly right there with you. I don't know if I'd go to the extent of saying I might have loved it. Um, just in the sense of like, like it's, you know, it's, it's like the, uh, the old, who's the coach who, who said this, but, uh, they are who we thought they were. Oh yeah. That was, um, Dennis uh, Green. Was that who that was? Might've been. Yeah. The, sh- the uh, Arizona. Green. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Sure. Yeah. Arizona head coach. Yeah. But, uh, but th- you know, the karate kid is what I thought it was, you know, it's, it's, it's not. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I I think like in in much the same as you, I was surprised how effective the movie is. It doesn't, um, it doesn't, you know, break out of the box. It doesn't do anything groundbreaking. I don't think in, in many, I mean, I think its treatment of an Asian American character is is really sympathetic, and and um, I think for the time that it came out, it it should be commended for for you know giving the uh, Pat Morita's character uh, you know Miyagi like such depth. Like I think it's it's you know it should be commended for that given the time that it came out and how insensitive culturally we were towards uh, you know Asians in in general at that point in time. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I think as a story, it's, it's not doing anything that I didn't expect it to do, but it is effective when it does those things. And I think that like in that way, I, it was a a bit of a surprising watch to me. I thought I was going to kind of just be like, ah, yeah, this is just, you know, this is a movie, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and just kind of check in and out of it and it'd be fine. But I was locked in. I, it, it was, yeah. a, it's an extremely entertaining movie and it knows how to hit the beats to make you, to, to pull you in as an audience member and, and get you on board with it. It's no surprise that it's directed by John G. Avildsen, who is the same filmmaker who made Rocky. Like, mm-hmm. like the dude knows I how to hit all the that. beats of, of <laughs> this kind sense. of movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think it's unsurprising, but I had a great time with it. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I I hate to say this because it it's just a disgusting statement, but I would have thought it would be a movie that like I could respond to emails while I watched it. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. type of movie that's like, oh, I bet this is something I could throw on and kind of half pay attention to, and it really wasn't. Um, and I would never do that for a movie for this show. Of course. And I try to avoid that at all costs. I'm really against dual screen experiences. Um, I, I think you should kind of focus on one thing at a time in life and like within reason. And um, but yeah, this was definitely a movie that just like you said, it really held my attention as well. Yeah. Well, let's get into the specifics of it. I think one of the things about the movie that held up and, and you know, I say I say the movie is unsurprising, but there was there were a couple of things that did surprise me uh, in terms of my takeaways from it. Um, one of them being Ralph Macchio is a movie star in this movie. Mm. Did you get that mm. feeling? I I was like shocked at how uh, I don't know how confident of an actor he is in this. I mean, he's not as young as he looks. He's twenty two <laughs> when they made this movie, which is surprising because he is a scrawny little chicken. Dude, I had completely misread that as well. Like when I was watching the movie for the first time, I was like, okay, Elizabeth Shue, who plays Allie, the, the love interest character, is like, she looks like she's 21, 
20. And I was like, but Ralph Macchio looks like a 16 year old boy. Yeah. I was like, he's like, he just looks like a child. And I was so surprised to find out that he in real life is older than she is. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, by two or three years. He looks so uh, kind of boyish and like, like he, he is very well cast for the age he's supposed to be playing. He looks 16 or 17. 100%. And in a similar vein of what you were saying, one of the pleasant surprises about this movie is there was one component, even though we've mentioned that it is in ways predictable, that really went against my expectations. And that was Ralph Macchio's confidence and I'm so used to this sort of story being more like Peter Parker, where it's like there's this kid getting bullied at the school and he's kind of a nerd and he's kind of a dork and he gains the tools to fight back. Like, I I mean, a more recent example, like, I mean, this is not a great film series, but, uh, you know, the the Shia LaBeouf character in the first Transformers, like that's kind of what Mm -hmm. I was envisioning, like someone who's, you know, He's not a he's not a a complete and utter like lost cause, but he is yeah. someone who has enough quirks and and nerdiness to him that he gets bullied as a result. Yeah, he's and been he, he's been pushed out to the fringes. This character is not culture. that. No, as I was watching this, I was like, oh wait a minute, this isn't this is closer to the Fonz than it is Peter Parker. Yeah, like, he's, he's he's just a fish out of water. He's not he's yeah. not a um he's not an incapable person he's just a guy who doesn't fit into his new surroundings yeah but I, I, I and so that was very surprising to me to see him have that level of confidence of like like being like one of the coolest guys in the room it's like oh this is an interesting direction for this story to go in, and really not what i was expecting sometimes i thought it was a little too much I was like, okay, nobody's that cool when they're like sixteen. You know what I mean? Which is, I mean, it's a movie. What do you well, want? I, yeah, like, I mean, I was, I was kind of surprised, like, because they don't, they don't ever do the will they, won't they thing with him and Elizabeth Shue. She's like, she's hooked on him from minute one. You know? Yeah, she, she's game. <laughs> she's into it, and and yeah. if anything, it's just about like him getting past his own insecurities about being mm-hmm. from a poorer background and you know being from the East Coast as opposed to you know this California you know bleach blonde uh, you know heartthrob. <laughs> I think like he, yeah, it's it, it's just it's a very different approach to the, a central character for this type of movie than I'm used to. But yes. I, but I really enjoyed it as a result because it was surprising to me in that yeah. Way. Yeah, I mean, there were times where I did think it went a little too far. Like, an example of when it was really working for me was when they first meet at the beach. And he's, like, bouncing the ball. He's juggling the ball on his knee, and he teaches her how to kind of do it a little bit. And it's like, okay, this I'm buying. Like, this it's showing the character's confidence. He's not afraid to talk to this girl. And it's a, it's, and it's a warm interaction. And it's, and it's, like, good. But then, like, him showing up at the dance in that shower costume... <laughs> which was not a great one in my opinion. I thought it was stupid. The movie's like, isn't this great? It's like that really movie. It's kind of fucking lame. I mean, um, it makes for a good little makeout tent. We'll say that it makes it makes for a good intimate moment, and it gives him some uh, Harry Potter invisible cloak sort of thing that comes into play in the bathroom later. So there's there's story reasons for it to be what it is, but it's just kind of ridiculous. But like when she enters the shower with him, and she was, he's like, oh, you've been asking about me, huh? And he's like, he's, he's just like, he's just a little too cool for me in those moments. And it's like, okay, you're not Sylvester Stallone. 
you're a fucking 16 year old high school kid. <laughs> like you're taking it a little too far for me to read that you're this cool, but it's a, the movie is trying to be about a cool guy. So what am I going to talk a bunch of shit for the movie going for it? Like it's heightened reality. It's fine. But I'm just yeah. saying for me, it was, it pushed the envelope a little bit too much, but it's a quibble I, for, for, for a performance. I think it is really strong. It didn't bother me because I think, um, I think Ralph Macchio sells it pretty well. I think he's just, he's just a solid actor. And I think he's delivering all of that with enough charisma that I buy it. Um, but I, I can see what you're saying. And I think, I think the movie is a little bit caught between two worlds where it's like, it wants him to be this scrawny character who can get picked on, but it also wants him to be cool and like have the romance and it can't quite decide what the character should be. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It didn't bother me. It it worked on me. And I, I mean, you know, just thinking about alternate castings of this movie, you know, we're talking about an era in in Hollywood where there were a, a ton of up and coming movie stars that that this movie was kind of considering. So, like, when you look at who was considered for for this role, I mean, first of all, they basically were were just looking at the cast list for the outsiders and and just going down the list because they also considered um, Emilio Estevez, they considered Tom Cruise, they considered C. Thomas Howell. So like basically like the entire cast of the outsiders. And then, you know, you've got other up and coming actors from the time like Sean Penn, Robert Downey Jr., Charlie Sheen, John Cryer, uh, Nick Cage, Anthony Edwards, Eric Stoltz, like all of those guys were getting tossed around as potentials for, for this, this actor. And in that way, it's kind of surprising that Machio wins out because like you think about how famous all of those guys are that, th- that they went with, you know, Ralph Machio. But then you see this performance and you're like, Oh, okay. I get it. Like he, he works. Yeah. He works. He works super, super well. All the names you listed that I recognized, which was, I'd say, you know, at least three fourths of them. I would like to see that movie still. No, no, no disrespect to Machio. I think he is great and probably at the end of the day was the right choice. Uh, I could see Cruz doing it. I could see Cage doing it. I could see Estevez doing it. Like I could see Downey Jr. doing it. He would probably have been great. And it would have been fun to see, you know, a kind of role. But I guess I can check in the outsiders to kind of get people, you know, from that time. But but yeah, I think he was really well tailored for this role. And he has that boyish look that I think some of those others might not have been as well suited for. He looks like a high school kid in this movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, you think about some of the other movies that these guys were doing around that time, you know, you've got another dartboard movie night selection. Emilio Estevez is doing repo man and like Tom Cruise is doing, um, Oh God, what's the name of that, that football movie that he did? Um, all the right moves. You've got Nick Cage doing Moonstruck. You've got, you know, like they're doing more adult things at this time. Like like Downey Jr. was cast on SNL and then was the lead in Chaplin all within like three years of this movie coming out, you know? So like these, these guys are all kind of on a rocket ship to stardom. And, but they're choosing more dramatic, heavy stuff than this. So it's, 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 it's funny to consider like an alternate universe where one of them took this more lighthearted path. Um, and maybe that like in some ways kind of stunted Ralph Macchio's growth as an actor 
um, not as an actor, but but in terms of like his star power and like what he would get cast in after this. It, it's mm-hmm. kind of it's weird to to kind of envision like what what would that have done? Because like yeah. you know like the, the the nearest parallel is is Tom Cruise doing all the right moves, which is you know a, a, again like a high school sports movie, but it's a much more like gritty, grimy version of that than than this is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, it, it's, it's weird to think about like, did, did this affect like where Machio went from here? Yeah. How well do you know Machio outside of the karate kid? Cause I looked at his filmography. I didn't memorize it or anything. It's like, oh yeah, my cousin Vinny. And I was like, oh, that's right. He is in, he is like the cousin, right? He's like, he's the guy who gets, he's one of the kids who gets tried yeah. for the crime. Um, but outside of that, I'm not super familiar with them. And even then I needed IMDB to kind of trigger my memory mm-hmm. uh, are you do you know other roles of his are you a fan of his before seeing this movie no i mean like i think the karate kid is kind of it for him in terms of like the defining role obviously you know you mentioned the other big one but um i mean i think this defined him so much and i think maybe his mistake was doing two more sequels to this movie as opposed to moving on to other projects but you can't blame him for it at the time because this movie was such a um, massive massive hit that it you know career wise i i i don't blame him for taking you know two more of these after this for for the paycheck like but it it also i i think he also had an issue where as he grew up you know the boyishness kind of stuck to him and and i don't know that he was ever able to totally break out of that my only other real context with ralph macchio is the fact that he's in like three or four episodes of entourage playing a version of himself mm. and like that that's kind of my only other background with him as an actor yeah so it's it, yeah he he didn't really have a much of a career after this which is kind of sad to think about because he he does have movie star charisma yeah Well, you know, I listened to a little bit of the commentary today, which I would say is it's a bit of a mess. You know, it's just a bunch of people being like, that was great. You remember that day? You know, it's like one of that. It's like three or four people in the room. Well, I got to believe they recorded it probably at least a decade after making it. Oh, yeah. So like it's it's very nostalgic for them, I'm sure, looking back on it. Oh, yeah. And if you're like, it's still a fine, fun commentary. Um, But at one point he mentioned some of the things he various things he kind of took from set as like a rap gift sort of things. Like, oh, I still have that. And he mentioned, um, Oh, I have that trophy too. It's at my other house though. And I was like, all right, other house for Ralph Macchio. And even if this is his kind of big splash and he's not super well known outside of my cousin, Viz- Vinny and here and there and whatever, like he probably, he probably made some good money and earned it. He's great oh, yeah. in this movie. So, Dude did absolutely fine. We do not need yeah. to feel bad for Ralph <laughs> yeah. Macchio. Yeah, and good for him. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm glad he's not like, you know, living in the gutter. You're like, I was the karate kid. You know? Yeah, but I mean, I, I think like that's kind of why I was a little bit surprised by the performance is just that because he doesn't have much of a cultural footprint outside of this movie, I kind of just assumed that maybe he was, you know, Good, not great, and just kind of served the movie, but but wasn't anything special. But I think he's genuinely special in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And again, that it's really hard to get that confidence to really come through, and it, it, it he does it does come through. Yeah, I, I really dug him too, even though I had quibbles, but really liked it. Yeah, I, I. But I think while we're on the topic of performances, 
I am so excited to talk about this Pat Morita performance. Can we dig mm. into it? I'd love to. Yes. Pat Morita, you know, I mentioned a little earlier how impressed I was the humanity that they gave to this Asian American character. Um, because at the time, you know, like even today, like I feel like we are just starting to get out of the phase where it's normal for racist jokes against Southeast Asian people to, to make it into major pop culture. You know, like you think about where we were in 1984, like, like brown face and yellow face were still happening all over the place in, in major, major Hollywood productions. You know, like if, you know, I think it was Fisher Stevens in short circuit. I think it was like, you know, a white guy, you know, in brown face doing like a, a basically a poo from the Simpsons kind of thing. And like even a poo from the Simpsons, like didn't come around until 1989. And that is like a, 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 a you know, a character that is literally just racist stereotypes. That's all it is. And like it, it and it was gangbusters. Like, like people went absurd over a poo from the Simpsons, you know, like, and that's happening after this. And the fact that they give this character so much dignity and grace and like, you know, it, it's not, yes, it is like stereotypical in the sense that he's a karate master and whatever, but like, yeah. but the character has so much depth. It's real. And Pat Morita is, is like so stoic and, and, and like, you know, just fully embracing like the elder statesman kind of, kind of role in this movie. And, and I was blown away by it. It makes, it makes so much sense that this got nominated for an Oscar. Um, and it's completely deserved. How did you feel about it? Not one false note in the entire performance. Like it was really quite special. And I was like, this is like really, really good. And I knew he was going to be, I mean, there's um, a reason it's iconic. Yeah, I knew it was going to be like at least good. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of like a Western point of view, it's like he's going to be kind of like a Yoda-ish type of guy, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was just very stoic and measured and and reasoned. But it also got appropriately big when it needed to. Like he was really spectacular. And particularly the scene where he's drunk. That was mm. definitely my favorite scene. Which in the apparently movie. the studio wanted to have cut out of the movie. Ridiculous. I know. And, and ridiculous. And everyone, like from the production, went to bat for it and they were like, no, this is yeah. like, this is the defining moment for this character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was such a, it was such a moving. And, and that was the scene where I was like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not just like having, f I'm actively enjoying this movie. It was very unexpected that whole that whole little detour, and again to call it a detour is not really it's 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 pivotal, but to get that kind of information about him, that he was in World War II, fighting for a country that had deposed his wife and kind of relocated them into an internment camp. When he's drunk and like raving, I think he says like killing Jerry's or something like that because he was part of this division in the European front. And it's just so heartbreaking to think of that. I'm sure that happened to many where they were fighting in World War II for America and interned, it's like sent to internment camps for the country they were fighting for. It's just so crazy. Yeah. And I that was to me the biggest surprise. I was expecting 
a, a somewhat of a celebration of Asian culture or, or Japanese or, you know, Okinawa culture. And, you know, that I could see coming. But the fact that they went there in this sort of PG, quote unquote, children's movie talking about internment camps. And we have, a, you know, a death from complication of pregnancy due to no doctor being in the internment camp. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, this movie really went into some uh, very dark territory. And just like uh, uh, when he's like sitting on the bed, I think he keeps repeating like um, land of free, home of brave. And it's like so heartbreaking because it's like, you know, one of the worst decisions the country has ever made. And it's polar opposite of both of those words. It's it is completely the opposite of free and and it was a fear-based cowardly decision that the country made yeah and it was just really kind of summed up beautifully like that the how the level of that injustice and uh and and kind of underlines that thing that we always have to be vigilant for in this country and in any in any country when when people start getting fearful and paranoid, well, it's xenophobia, like, yeah, yeah. When when there's a sort of kind of nationalistic energy, it's always really uh, concerning, and you got to be vigilant for this sort of stuff. And, I mean, but, it's uh, yeah, the under the underpinning of nationalism almost always has some basis in racism, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think. You know, it's especially poignant that this movie is willing to go there with this character, especially considering that Pat Morita and his family were interred in, in World oh, War II. I didn't II. know that. Wow. Yeah. All the more reason to keep this in. My God. I exactly. Can't they wanted to cut the scene. Ridiculous. Exactly. Like, I mean, this movie is, is is allowing him to, in some ways, exercise some of that that pain that he has within himself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's beautiful. And yep. I mean, you know, just again, like kind of like reviewing Marita's career, like his first credit, he's Oriental number two. Like like it's, it's like mm. the fact that he goes from that to, you know, in Thoroughly Modern Millie to, to this and being able to talk about that stuff and being able to like like, you know, like express some of that pain on film is just like it's it's beautiful, man. In terms of the importance of it, like rewatching it today, I was kind of taking my little notes and like being like, like, what is the kid bringing to this friendship? Like Miyagi is so generous. He's like giving bonsai trees and a fucking car at one point. And this thing that his 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 wife who passed embroidered is like so, so generous with his time and his skill. And I was like, what is what is like the kid bringing to this? And then it's like, oh, it's like it's like the son of a kid he never had. Yeah. The the kid was taken from him. And you need you need that scene in there for so many reasons. I can't believe they even considered cutting it because it's, in my opinion, by far the best scene in the movie. And the the fact that they had to fight for it is absurd. Yeah, but I mean, like even earlier than that, I was already locked into this performance and and seeing that kind of father son dynamic. Like the bonsai tree scene is Great is scene. amazing too, where mm-hmm. it's it's like it's a it's showing that this character, um, you know, to some people might be you know unreadable, but like he has all this like compassion and generosity and like um, it's just. I don't know, man, like I, every moment with Miyagi and, and, uh, um, uh, Daniel, like watching them bond is, is just, it, it's 
it's great shit, man. It, it really, really works. Yeah. And we talk about it from time to time on this show. Great character introduction. Mm-hmm. Where I keep calling him the kid. Let me, let me get the actual Daniel. characters. Daniel. Daniel LaRusso. Yeah. So Daniel like comes in to see him. He's like the building super to fix the sink and stuff. And he's doing that thing where he's trying to catch the fly. And it's just kind of a nice kind of not confusing, not obscure, but it's like a mysterious character interest. Like, what is this guy? And obviously you and I have backstory, cultural knowledge that this is going to be the guy. But just kind of pretending that that's not the case. It is a really cool character intro. And the moment that I really am like, oh, yeah, this guy's the shit. And it's very early on in their interactions. It's their second interaction where Miyagi asked Daniel, like, hey, what happened to your eye? And he says, oh, I fell off my bike. And Miyagi's like, how come your arm's not hurt? And I was like, okay, this guy, this guy's sharp. And I was like, hey, you know, he's very observant, smart, wise. And it was like a really nice way within the dialogue and the, and the kind of what was going on in the story to show that of like, you know, I, 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 it's just it's just good. He's, he's, he's great. Well, and you also... When you look at this movie in context of Marita's career, it's it's also interesting because Marita was known as a comedic actor before this. This is mm. really like the first glimpse of him as a really dramatic character. I feel like in in terms of like getting a starring role that way. Um, before the before this movie, his biggest claim to fame was like twenty five episodes of Happy Days, where he plays you know a comedic kind of Japanese character that that kind of you know works into these characters lives but um it's you know the studio was against him being cast originally because of his perception as a comedic actor um and it's really cool to think about that like you know when you watch this performance like no part of it is comedy this is like stoic dramatic shit um Mm -hmm. it's really cool to see but so do, do you know who they originally wanted for this character I'll give you a hint. Uh, it's a, another dartboard movie net alum. I'm going to say a guess. I mean, there's only so many Japanese actors we've covered on the show. Oh, my God. Is it is it that guy from Seven Samurai? Toshiro Mifune. You, Mifune, who you adore. I mean, I like him, too. But yeah, yeah. that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah. Yajimbo himself. This is turning into one of the better alternate universe movies we've ever had on this show where like i really like the one we have but that would be awesome and tom cruise and and, or robert downey jr and (laughs) like i would watch the fuck out of that movie yeah but it's a completely different movie and and the only reason they didn't cast tashiro mifune is the fact that he couldn't speak english oh right 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 so but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about. It. And it makes complete sense for the character as written for, for someone like Toshiro Mifune to, to take that role. But Marita just absolutely crushes it. And, and now that we have this version, I can't imagine anyone else doing it. Yep. I don't, I don't want anyone else doing it. It's perfect. Even though, you know, it's fun to think about Mifune, even if he spoke English. I doubt it would have been as good as this. This is, this is fucking perfect. Pitch perfect. And again, like... Not a single stumble. Everything seems emotionally real and it's great and he's interesting. He's like a great character. Uh, he's got depth. He's not just the teacher like we've talked about with that whole alcohol kind of boozy scene. Like 
he's just fantastic. And I can't not get goosebumps. I knew it was coming. I knew it was fucking coming when he explains the wax on and the wax off. And it's like showing him like, you know, what it what it means. Oh, you're talking uh, about when, when it actually like you understand that he's actually been training him and it wasn't yeah. just chore bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just a goosebump that, scene and he's that perfect scene is incredible. in that. Yeah, that, and he's like the way always that, eyes, and always you know, eyes, you know, and it's awesome. Yeah, and like you totally see it coming like yeah. in terms of like yeah, obviously this guy's not just having him paint his house, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and like obviously, the, the wax on, like wax it, yeah, off. You get it. We all know that line. We you know get that it. Line. But at the same time, like it, it's just one of those magic movie moments where everything comes together and all the pieces they've been like putting into place like start to connect. And yeah, it's 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 goosebumps. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. Like like you know, and I think the way that Avildsen shoots it is very like hands off. It doesn't. He doesn't overdo the camera work. He doesn't like. He, he's not, it's nothing showy, but it, but it's just it. He knows that this is the moment where this all comes together, and it, and it works. I, I I love love that scene. Yeah, so so fucking good. Oh, another scene he's great in is when they go to the Cobra Kai gym. Yeah, and he's just standing there, very solid, and he's like, the, the other the jackass is like, Are you calling them a liar? Like I don't I I, like, I don't want to do an impression. I don't, I'm not doing it. He's just like, he's just like, I'm not calling anybody anything. Like I'm just saying there's a miscommunication. You know what I mean? Like, was that a good impression of Calm down. Calm down, you fucking psychopath. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and like, it's like, oh, the kid can't take it himself. He's like, nobody could take care of 1v5. You know what I mean? Like, he's just very, he's it's chill. He's just very like. Matter of fact, like, yeah, yeah, no shit, dumbass. Like, what are yeah. you talking about? <laughs> Which, well, can we oh can we just talk about uh, not to move off of Pat Morita? We we, uh, but you want to talk about the worst parts of this movie? Mm. Yeah, the <laughs> sensei at the Cobra Cobra Kai gym is fucking absurd. It is the most absurdly on the nose bad guy villain I've seen in a long time. And it, for me, that is the one part of the movie that does not work on any level. Why, why does this adult man give a single flying fuck about high school politics? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I guess he's just, to use kind of a West Coast term, he's pretty aggro. Maybe he's on the juice. I mean, he's Maybe more he's than aggro. He is, he is just a guy who just wants to be a douchebag to everyone he encounters. Yeah, and he's such a he's such a a villain in like a mustache twisty sort yeah, of way. And no I get what nuance. you're saying. There's no, no nuance. No. And yet and you love James Cameron. <laughs> I know, but at least that's in service of something. To me, yeah. this is like this is actively detracting from the movie where it's like, you know, I, I think the the saving grace of it is that Billy Zabka's really good in it. And I think mm-hmm. like him as Johnny, um, makes for a really compelling, you know, foil to, to the Ralph Macchio character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think that saves it. But if the sensei was the main villain of this movie, it would be a complete and utter failure. I just kept wishing it was David Hasselhoff. He's kind of looked he, like he looks like, yeah, like, he's bargain bin David Hasselhoff. Yeah. He's bargain bin Hasselhoff. Absolutely. Which um, is yeah, saying I, something because Hasselhoff is on sale. I, 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 I agree with you 
But it didn't bother me for some reason. I guess because, well, let me ask you this. Is this a kid's movie? Yeah. Yeah, because I think it is. No, it absolutely is. This is this is in the same vein as, you know, Rookie of the Year, The Sandlot, like yeah. I was saying before. Like, it's like, it is, you know, geared towards a kid's mind, being simple, easy to digest. I mean, it's yeah. it's a Disney movie, you know, in a lot of ways, even though it's not yeah. a Disney production. Yeah, yeah. And generally, like, I don't know if this is, like, fair or whatever, but if I'm watching a kid's movie... I I'm, I give it a lot more slack in terms of the villain just being stodgy and just like not not a lot of depth there. It's like okay, it's sure. a kids movie. Like they just want us to easily be able to point out who's the problem. In this I know, situation. but I mean, even fucking Jafar has more depth than this character. Yeah, we don't. You you make a good point of like, why does he give a fuck about? this what's going on within the high school it would make more sense to me if there was like some past you know relationship between miyagi and and this sensei where there was like some sort of rivalry in the past or something or they fought back in the day you know like that would make more sense to me like give him some something to tether him to the the central conflict of the story but instead he's just this guy who runs a dojo who teaches these kids and these kids are pieces of shit to this other kid. And for some reason he's choosing to back the assholes. And it's like, you know what? there's no, there's no motivation to, to this character. You know, what would have been great is if when he was a young man in high school, someone moved there from out of town and stole his girl. And he was just <laughs> like, you know what? Fuck this kid. And that's why it's just all, it's all just acid history. Acid. I feel like you're describing like a villain from a Will Ferrell movie. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who's Will held Ferrell. on to that grudge for that Will, fucking long. Well, Farrell would be so good in a role like this in like a in like a spoof of yeah. this movie. He would be fucking unbelievable, dude. I mean, well, they there kind of is that character for Danny McBride in the Foot Fist way. Did you ever watch that? <laughs> No, I, I've I've not seen that. But ima- imagine you know Danny McBride from Eastbound and Down, but playing a karate instructor. That's that's what it is, kind of. Oh yeah, I gotta check that. That's out. the movie that that um, they premiered that at Sundance, and Will Ferrell and Adam McKay saw it there, and were so obsessed with it that they like brought Danny McBride into the fold, and and the rest is history. But yeah, watch the Fuck Fist Way. It's it's better than you might think. It's it's a <laughs> Jody Hill movie. The same guy who did Observe and Report, and um, I mean Eastbound and Down as well, and some other stuff. But uh, but yeah, it's it's an acid tongue comedy. Well, we've talked about the sensei as a villain who sucks, and uh, I wish was completely different in the movie. But I also mentioned Billy Zabka, who plays the main high school villain um, Johnny, who is the leader of the Cobra Kai gym. How'd you feel about that performance as a, as a villain and, and as a foil to Ralph Macchio? I thought he was good. Well, let me rephrase that. Good. It was more like that type oh, of See, I, I think he's he really fine. good. I, I, I think he's everything you could want out of that kind of character. I think he is like, yeah, he's solid. He's fine. And he, like, he's delivering. Like, I'm not saying he's, he's fucking it up. He's fine. But I wasn't I wasn't over the moon about it personally. I think I might have been a little distracted. Um, John Cena is in a Saturday Night Live sketch that spoofs this movie, kind of. Mm. And uh, I couldn't stop thinking about it as I was watching it. But but performance wise, I thought he was like good. 
totally I mean, good, totally he's fine. He's still a kid actor. Like, I think, yeah. you know, not all of it reads as natural. Um, but I think I, I what I really appreciated is I think Zabka does a pretty damn good job and an understated job of threading in the that character's insecurities. And he he is this, you know, overly confident bully character. But there are moments where that facade breaks for him. You know, there are moments where the the camera is cutting to him and he feels like like especially towards the end when they're, you know, the Cobra Kai's are are starting to cheat their way, uh, you know, to victory. Um, there are moments where the camera is, is specifically cutting to a close up of him and his kind of uncomfortability with that whole situation. And and I think that that's that like that elevates it bo- above just being a black and white, you know, nonsense villain. Yeah, he, he does get more interesting towards the end of the film. I would agree with that. And it should be said, I have no context for this character outside of this movie. I've never seen any of the Cobra Kai show. Me either. This is certainly the only Karate Kid quote-unquote property I've ever seen. Um, I have one huge problem, uh, but it has nothing to do with his performance. We'll get to the beef later. Um, But he does get more interesting towards the end of the movie. I will Mm -hmm. say that. And I guess I should should say, even though I thought he was serviceable and solid as, as the foil, Again, like certainly not bad and certainly not like the prime example of like what I'm looking for in, in a foil. Uh, I will say physically he was great. Mm-hmm. Like he mo- he had a great ferocity of movement and mm-hmm. like a great sort of intensity. I'm sure just like many of the actors in this movie, they had some training and then they just fucking did the movie. But he really sells it. Like mm-hmm. when he like is like, you know, they're at the tournament and whatever and he's really sparring. I was like, I, I buy that this guy is it is very intimidating and very strong, yeah, and like a good fighter. He looks he looks great in the ring. I would say significantly better than Machio. No no huge diss. Like Machio looks fine in the ring, but like Johnny Karate is just like, geez, get the fuck out of his way. Johnny Karate um, is that his name? What isn't that his nickname or something? No, I or think is John, just- isn't Johnny Karate? No, it's Johnny Bananas. I was trying to think of like I thought it was like an entourage thing. Uh, I forget what he he does have a last name canonically. I just don't I don't remember what it is. Oh, his last name is Lawrence. Oh, Johnny, Johnny Lawrence. Lawrence. Okay, but I I think it honestly, if it's not said in the movie, it might have just been a cultural thing. Because I've heard Johnny Karate before, and I don't know. Again, maybe maybe like a student. But you heard it specifically in reference to this movie. No, I've never known what it was paired to. Oh, so but maybe, now I'm yeah, thinking you're just it's like connecting it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like um, society's nickname for this character. Interesting. Maybe. If yeah, again, if know. not in the movie directly. But anyway, going back to to Billy Zabka's physicality, I agree with you. He sells all of that, and I wish I had the note. I should have. I should have kept it in front of me because I read it earlier. But um, I guess he had a background in I think wrestling. Mm, uh, I could be wrong, but sense. but there's there was some. I think he has a really good control of his body just generally. And, and so he can sell all those karate moves really well. And, you know, you knocked Machio and, and his, you know, uh, physicality, but I, I think he sells a lot of that stuff really well. Um, you know, he's, he's meant to be a more, you know, fluid kind of like crane, like, you know, approach to karate as opposed to a, a, an aggressive kind of beat down character. 
yeah. And I think he sells that. And, and, you know, Machio himself had a background in dancing actually before this. So like the movement stuff, I, I think he, he does a good job with it overall. Yeah, no, I, I do like Machio's physicality. I was just saying in comparison. Sure. Like, and, and I get what you're saying. They're different fighting styles and they're intended to show kind of, you know, different approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just was like, and, and now that I'm thinking about it, I'm coming around to, to Zabka as Johnny Karate. Like, I'm coming around to it. Like, He's great. Uh, He's I think, really I think, good in this movie. Yeah, I guess, it, yeah, it's good. I will say, though, there was one kind of not to go tack way back to Machio, but there was one other scene where I was just like, that's just stupid. Remember when they have to fight in the arcade mm-hmm. and she like storms out towards the end of the movie? Mm-hmm. Like she's clearly angry at him. <laughs> and I hate that scene. He just gets way too close after that. Do you know the scene I'm talking about? Oh, she's yeah, like yeah, at, yeah. outside at the fence. It's just like, I guess this is just how people thought. <laughs> I don't know. But it's just like, dude, give her a little bit of space. Like she's angry <laughs> at you and you're like on her shoulder. And and for me, just that that was one of my story point beefs is and I'm sure they're just trying to get on with it. But her her turn back to him was just way too quick. Yeah. He's like on her shoulder, like, sorry, I'm a jerk. And she's like, you are a jerk. Kiss. It's like, what? Like you were really angry at him 15 seconds ago. And maybe that's how it's supposed to be like, this is what high school romances are like. You know, they're just, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I think you honestly could lose that entire scene and you don't lose anything. Like, like if you just excise yeah. the entire bit of him upsetting her, like it, nothing is lost in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also like if she like stormed off and was angry and then still came back to support him and was like, you know, I'm pissed, but you're still a friend of mine. Like that would have been cooler for her character too, yeah. in a way. Yeah. And then they, and then maybe romance like blooms from there. But anyway, anyway, well, let's talk about that. Elizabeth Shue. I, th- I yeah, think, yeah. you know, she's kind of just the token female in this movie in a lot of ways. Like, I don't think that she gets much to do. Um, but she is a compelling screen presence, and there's a reason that after this movie, I mean, this was her, I, I believe, her first screen credit. It might be, you know, second or third, but it's 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 the first that people recognized. Oh, who's this Elizabeth Shue person? And mm-hmm. and I think like she has a magnetism that it's not surprising to me that she, you know, got that attention from this. Mm-hmm. That being said, I don't think she has very much to do in this movie at all. Yeah, I think she's she's fine, and I agree. You said it. Token is the perfect word. Like she has this, there's that scene early on where LaRusso's with his mom, like at the diner and she's like, any girls? And he's like, see, and he's like listing all these qualities. He's even after she walks away from the table and it's like, oh, she's her smart. She's got this, she's got that. And he's like, she's, she's smart. And like, and I was like, we, we have not, the movie never showed us smart. Like no. she's a fine character. Like she's she seems very sweet, but like I wish they had baked more intelligence into her dialogue. She's fine. She, I think she's good. She's a good. It's a good performance. Um, and yeah, again, have is, have her level him with her intelligence at some point so you can sell. Yeah, that, you know. At one point, I like even just early on because he is this very confident, cool customer type of guy. Just once, I would love to see her knock him on his heels. Yeah, hundred percent. And f- and for him to just intellectually be taken off, take you know, be again, yeah, knocked on his heels. So like, we I just wish that they had they had kind of 
made her more than this very sweet, supportive, and friendly rich girl. But it's but the, but that's a character flaw in terms of the design of the character. Nothing to do with the performance. I thought she was she was good, great on screen, like uh, naturally charismatic, believable. Even though she doesn't have a ton to work with um, in terms of what the character, the complexities yeah. of the character, she's good. Yeah. Um, if anyone has not seen Leaving Las Vegas, uh, Elizabeth Shue in that movie is tremendous. Um, and she, you know, she's an actor that I think didn't get her due um, after after that movie because she really should have been a megastar. Well, I have not seen some of these more recent movies, but she was in Greyhound, which came out a few years ago. Is that she's the got, Tom Hanks World War II yeah, movie? Yeah, that the Apple movie. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched that, but I, I would yeah. watch it. Uh, are you good performance-wise? Because there's something I want to hit, and it's a, it's not a huge category, but it's pet peeves. I want to hit a couple of pet peeves. All right, let's get your pet peeves out of the way. Okay. Take them... Uh, well, you tell me if they're ridiculous or justified. <laughs> pet peeve number one. I really don't like when... Let's say there's a shot of two characters getting into a car and then it cuts to a wider shot, you know, further away and the audio levels don't change. That is a pet peeve of mine. Ridiculous. You think that's ridiculous? Why? What is the. okay? so. okay, so you're saying like you've got like a two shot of people in a car together talking and then it cuts to a wide maybe behind the the car as it's pulling yeah, away and the exactly. voices stay at the same level. Yeah. That Why does that bother me. you? Because the the camera is to some degree even though it's kind of a phantom it's in it's it's a character in the story in a way. The perspective I'm sorry. So do you matter. have a problem with if someone's giving a monologue and it cuts away to other other shots that aren't involving that character like their voice staying over the the next shot? Because that's there's a very ex- traditional editing technique. There's this. There's an exception where um, if they're like public speaking and it's a PA system or something that is projecting their voice no, so that everyone. No, can I'm hear not it saying equally. that. I'm saying I'm saying they're not even in the frame. They're not even in like the the scene that you're watching. It's just voiceover that's carried over from the previous shot or the scene. Oh, that that I don't mind because that's like. An but how is that any choice. different than what we're talking about? Because I feel it. It sounds weird to me to hear two characters up close and, and, and it's not like a trickle over for some reasons, like say someone's dialogue carries over into the next scene. I don't mind that, but it's like within the reality of a single scene, we have two characters up closer. There's a, a closing of a door. They're this in might a capsulated be the space. biggest nit you've ever picked. Do it. it it's like I don't want it to like I don't want it to be so realistic that I can't hear it. Like I I want it to, I just want it to duck a little to stay in the reality of what the camera just did. Like you know what I'm saying? Like like if you if we're if no. we're retreating, 30 I don't know yards, what you're saying, Jared. Let's just take it down a little. I think there's a term for it, and it's like the idea of like the camera. Like like mattering in terms of like I, I don't I don't think it's subjective camera but there's like there's something about the camera is involved in this and I think I just that's more my preference um, so that's uh, a nitpick so you disagree you 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 doesn't bother you or if we're saying ridiculous or justified this is a hundred percent in the ridiculous realm ridiculous okay 
I still I still prefer a little bit of of perspective reality in my camera in terms of how it's coupled with sound design. Sure. But different strokes okay. for different folks. Okay. Pet peeve number two. Let me see if how you feel about this one. I really don't like the assumption that Los Angeles makes that everybody knows what these places mean. <laughs> And it is it's it's always been That's, a problem. It's yeah. The geography of L.A. being tossed offhandedly uh, in movies yeah. is is definitely a problem that I've encountered in the past. So I, I'm OK. Yeah. All right. Justify. All right. Justify. Yeah. Because they'll be like, <laughs> oh, are you from uh, Reseda? Or is it, oh, I'm, in, I'm in Encino. Ugh. And somebody grimaces. It's like, what does that mean? L.A. <laughs> Nobody knows what the fuck you're talking about. We know. Two places in Los Angeles. Three. We know Los Angeles, we know Compton, and we know Malibu. I know the Everything valley. Everything else. The, I, I, I but Reseda is the valley. I just, I, I had to look yeah. it up to know. But even the valley, like I know those words, but I don't know what that means in terms of opulence versus like, I'm just saying it's like, maybe I'm biased, like because I'm an East coaster. And if someone says like, Oh, I'm from Brooklyn. Well, that's what I was and, just going to say. Like, yeah. does it bother you when New Yorkers do that? Cause they, they do the same thing for New York movies. I feel like it does a little, but the other thing about New York too, is it's constantly changing. Like there are places in New York that would be like incredibly dangerous and like in, incredibly inexpensive to live in like 20 years ago. And it's a totally different story now. Um, I guess I would say it bothers me a little bit. Here, oh, here's a here's a related pet peeve. If you ever bump into two people who used to, or if you're ever in a room with two people who used to live in New York, I hate the way they get so excited to talk about where they lived, on what streets. Like you know, I was right. I was right below Fifty Third. Fifty Third. Fifty Third. I know Fifty Third. I was up on Seventy Second. Seventy Second. No way. And it's just like. Fucking calm down. You lived in a place and it's a grid system, so you know where places are. No one is more like <laughs> masturbatory than New Yorkers about where they dude, live. Dude, yeah, they just love saying number streets and like nodding their heads and knowing what it means. It's oh, like, you're from hey, you're, you're from the Dumbo area. Oh, yeah, okay. D I, Dumbo, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, it's got nice there now. Hop, pop, pop, pop. But anyway, that's the side. I never get yeah. down to Red Hook. That's like three trains away. Yeah, yeah and I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In terms of Karate Kid, they do provide us with enough context to know it's like, okay, he lives in a bad neighborhood and yeah, she's yeah. from a wealthy neighborhood. But again, I hate this sort of cavalier LA vibe where it's like, oh, everyone knows Encino. Yeah. Everyone knows this. It's like, no, we don't, dude. <laughs> you know, it's like, at least with New York, there are so many New York movies and New York's geography is a lot more storied, I guess, you know, like the name Brooklyn means something and it means something different for different generations, but it all, for some reason, like that, that tracks for me. Yeah. You know, like I know that Brooklyn is the, you know, used to be the poor neighborhood that has been gentrified and is now the cool hipster neighborhood. And, you know, is even yeah. kind of going through its own, another transition kind of right now, I would say, but like, mm -hmm. And now Harlem is like undergoing that same Brooklyn transformation. Right, right, right. But 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 all yeah. of those names like Brooklyn, Harlem, the Bronx, like they're all shorthand for something in some way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas like Reseda is not shorthand for me to me no. in anything. Like if you said yes. the valley, that means something to me a little bit because that's at least a large Barely, enough geographic yes. area that like mm -hmm. I've and, and and you know, 
uh, along the same lines. I think I think saying like the Valley is the same as saying Brooklyn in a way because there are so many small subsets of Brooklyn, right? Um, and and just the same way that the Valley, there's you know the San Fernando area, there's you know you know Reseda, blah blah blah. blah. There's multiple yeah. areas within the Valley, but if you say the Valley, I know that that is like yeah. one step removed from L.A. in some yeah. way, just yes. like Brooklyn is one step removed from Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but like, but yeah, when you get this specific, it 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 means nothing to me. Yeah, it's 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 useless. And like, even in a movie like Boogie Nights, obviously we both love it, but they use they use the names of the places, but they tell you the information that you need. There are context clues. Yeah, so there's like. Um, you know, when, it, there's one point where uh, let's, Dirk let's be is fair. Like, there are context clues in this. I mean, like, there's a reason yeah. we immediately know he's from right. the, the less affluent neighborhood. Yeah, I just I don't know. I feel for some reason I feel like it's just it's these this is kind of L.A. sort of uh, presumptuousness. I tend to agree. Me. I guess I'm just having an internal conflict as to why it doesn't bother me in New York context, but it does in in L.A. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other pet peeves? Um, any other ridiculous or justified? Let's see. Oh, I have a huge pet peeve. This was going to be. We should make this category. a running bit with because uh, you have you have your Fuck little yeah. nitpicks and and I yeah. think ridiculous or justified is a good uh, good metric. Yeah, let's 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 peeve it up. <laughs> huge pet peeve. Again, this was going to be a separate category, but can we talk about the fucking freight train over a cliff ending to this movie? Yeah, the ending oh really is God. dramatically. It, 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 I would have liked a little bit of an off ramp from this movie, dude. Even and I don't need a a five minute come down here. Just give me ninety seconds, something to of not all of a sudden, fucking Jira, Johnny Karate has this huge change of heart, and well, and and we've it, we've seen a hint of that. We, we've seen him gain a little bit of respect, but we have no reason to believe that he should full-blown like him now. No. Like, and he's he takes the trophy himself, hands it over, and is just like, hey, LaRusso, you're all right. And it's like, it's so slammed in there. And then it's just like cut to a borderline slow-mo freeze frame shot of Miyagi. And the movie just ends. And I'm like, oh, my God, guys. Like, did the studio tell you it had to be a certain length of time? Because, like... Give us, give us like, I don't know, a kiss in the parking lot with Allie or something. Like, give us, give us something. This is such a terrible, like, last 30 seconds of this movie. There's, there is no falling action at the end of this movie. There is just the climax and the end. Yeah, it was the climax. And then, Mr. Miyagi, we did it. Freeze frame smile. Cre- and it's hard cut to credits. Just scrolling names over black. All of a sudden, it's just like, I guess that's the fucking end of this movie. All right. It was a little, little abrupt. Yeah, I, I justified. <laughs> yeah, justified. Okay, okay. That's not a, that's not even a pet peeve. That's just a complaint. Yeah. That's just a, yeah. See again, I think that might have been a reach for a peeve, but um, but that's a full that's a full blown complaint. Oh yeah, I got I got I got another one here. I feel like the point system was not well explained to me. Yeah, like the at structure some point, of the competition got, could have been communicated a lot better. Like and I rewound on and saw for the third time today. That time when they walk into the gym, great shot Miyagi, by the way, very uh, good shot. Like the the camera uh, is kind of it, it it's like dollying along with them as they go across this mm-hmm. room, and then it turns into a crane shot, which I didn't see coming, and I I really liked that. It was like Raging Bull 
LaMotta enters the ring. And a ton of extras. Of yeah, yeah, it was impressive. Uh, so, yeah, that shot was dope. And the, in, in that shot, she's like, oh, well, if you hit anything above the waist, kidney, like head, like, which is weird. It's like, you can go for the kidney? I thought that was, I thought that's something you can't hit. And anyway, but, and then, but dur- as they're doing like the montage of fights working up to the semi semifinal, like I would see things that just didn't count as points that made no sense to me. Like someone would get hit in the back of the head and it's like, so how many points do you need? Is it two or is it three? I was just like, I'm just confused. And it doesn't really matter. Like the music is going to tell you what's going on. But, um, but I don't know. It's just a little pet peeve of like, I would have liked a little more clarity on exactly what the rules of these fights are. Justified. Justified. That's a good one. But can we talk a little bit about, I wanted to get into the direction since we talked about that shot. Um, sure. Cause I, I do want to give a special shout out to uh, a Vildsen in that I think the way he photographs the, the fighting scenes is actually pretty great and it, it's understated, but he does a really good job of just letting the the action play out. He's not cutting too much. I, I think the action all uh, like the hits all feel like, like hits like, like I think, um, you know, in a lot of movies like this, I feel like you'd see a punch and you're like, Oh, that doesn't look like it would, it would actually hurt. But I, I think like, all the hits in this movie look legitimately like they're they're taking some shots. Yeah. And yeah. and I appreciate that the camera is willing to just stay back and let that play out. Um, he has a couple of shots where where he's doing like uh, uh, steady cam moves like around the the fighters, and I was I was genuinely impressed. It, it's understated work, but it's really effective. Yeah, I I completely agree. The fight scenes definitely had like heft to them and the blows felt very real and they, there was a good rhythm to all the editing. I wanted to give a shout out to James Crabe, cinematographer of this movie. Mm-hmm. There was one, sh- there was a lot of nice shots in this movie. It's not a bad looking movie. Not at all. But there was one particularly that was a fucking stunner. And that's like, they're beside that pond at dusk. And there's the car in the field there. It's when uh, Miyagi has the baseball catcher's outfit on and he's getting punched in the chest. And it is such a beautiful shot. The sun is is lens is there's lens flare coming in. Everything is at a very fascinating angle from the lighting. The car is well is beautifully bathed in like this golden light. And it was just gorgeous and i was like oh my god this is a this could be a una best shot contender like this is so beautiful the shots on the beach too uh of Mm -hmm. him kind of practicing the crane kick thing that he's doing um i i think like all of that looks really really good Mm -hmm. um the beach scenes you know the nighttime beach scenes that they do they don't they don't do any trickery it looks like they really just shot you know nighttime and like the photography is really really good the lighting is nice it's um, it's a it's it's a movie that no one's ever going to look at and be like, wow, look at how that's shot. But like it, it, it is super effective. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Are you ready to steam into wrap up wrap up thoughts and I wrap up? We, like I think we're in wrap pointing? up territory. Yeah. OK, cool. I got I've got uh, <laughs> two, two last things I wanted to hit. OK. Um, one is. When I was a kid, 
if I walked into somebody's house or even like an arcade or a game place, whatever you'd want to say, and there was bubble hockey, I got so fucking excited. Like bubble hockey is is one of the most underrated bar game room arcade I don't know type if I of ever games. Played it. Oh, it's the best. And it's weird because I have such disdain for foosball. I can't stand foosball. I would rather go home than play foosball. Foosball sucks. Foosball. Anyone who is, says they I'm like so foosball, glad. I don't trust. Dude, it seems like such a skillless game, <laughs> and I'm constantly shooting myself in the foot. I hate that game. I'm so see, bad at it, see, and it looks like you can't be bad at the it. The thing is, it it is a game that actually does take skill. Like people that are good yeah. at it, like are very good at it. Like they're like, yeah. and I think part of my resentment of foosball is that I can't figure out how to be good at it. Dude, <laughs> like, it's, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some correlation between people who can drum can play foosball well. But like, I just, I hate jo- jockeying around with the various sticks. But there's like, there's a technique to how you flip For, your wrist on it and, totally. and to get power. And I, I've never been able to figure it out. Can't do it. I, and it, and it, it just becomes a frustrating endeavor. So unfun. Um, a lot of games I, I enjoy, but not that one. But bubble hockey is a blast. And it, it's, I much think air hockey chaotic. ate bubble hockey's lunch. Air hockey is stupendous. I fucking love air hockey. Um, air hockey can is take skill, but there's a little bit of roulette in there too. In terms it's of like Highlander, you can there can hockey. be only one hockey game, hockey oh, related oh, oh, tabletop game. <laughs> if I could, if I oh I didn't tell you this, I'm running for president in 2024, and part of my platform is going to be to replace all foosball tables with bubble hockey tables, and I think the nation will be better for, better off for it. It's just more fun. And th- it doesn't go flying because it's contained. Even though, even though I don't down. think anyone is, uh, I, don't, I don't think the majority of people are are pro foosball necessarily. I don't know if you're going to get too many buyers on the let's swap it out, like as as being your main pitch for president. But you know, you do you. Well, we got to fight the the big foosball lobbyists. We know that's a problem, but if we stand together and unite, we can take them down. I don't really have any other notes. I, I think. You know, this is a straight down the line movie. We can make it a straight down the line episode. It's, uh, yeah, it's a good movie, and and honestly, like surprisingly so. I, I think I think that was my biggest takeaway from this was it was a humbling experience in that there are those movies that you feel like you've seen, and this is another example, just like E. T., where it's like, no, you have not seen it. You think you've seen it, but it works way more effectively in its totality. And as a result, like, I'm really happy that we watched it. And it goes back to what we were talking about in the pre-chat. You're doing this actively right now with fucking Jerry Maguire, and I want to strangle <laughs> you for it. Because Jared claims that he's seen Jerry Maguire because he's seen the, uh, I, you know, you're, you complete me and uh, you had me at hello and, you know, show me the money. It's like, cool. So you saw three beats from the movie and you think you've seen it. I think like some of it might be a few good men polluting Jerry Maguire, like in my mind, because I just view 90s Tom Cruise uh, just being like very kind of oh the music's involved and like there's this going on and it's cheesy, but you kind of love it. And I just have this impression from afar that that's what Jerry Maguire is. You are also the only person I know who has told me that that movie is like a, a masterpiece. So I'm wondering if it just kind of nestles 
perfectly into well, your look, tastes it's, and might not no, 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 no. I am not the only person who believes this. Jerry Maguire, for the average viewer, someone who doesn't obsess over the movies the way that I do, probably communicates as just a very effective romantic comedy drama. Like that, I, and, and I understand that reaction because it is so effective at what it's doing that to your brain, you're just like, wow, that was a great movie. I'm glad I watched that. That's, that's like, that's kind of the reaction that most people have, I think. But when you really break it down and you think about, wow, look at that performance in comparison to everything else going on around it, you know, in Hollywood at that time, look at the way that this structure is just completely of its own, but works entirely. Look at the way that like these lines are structured. Like, like, yes, there are iconic lines, but I'm saying the the next step beyond those lines that became so pervasive in pop culture, this movie is just brilliantly written. Every line is as good as those lines that you've you've mentioned. So like that's all I'm saying. You're think fishing about, for it. I'm I'm saying you're think about how it. you're reacting to Karate Kid right now and then amplify it by 5000 because Jerry Maguire is 10 times the movie that this is and that's saying something because I think this is a really great movie. Is it that time, Drew, to put one on? Is it that time? Are you, you're fishing for Jerry. I'm fishing, maybe. I'll tell you this. I've got the lure in the water. It's a specially crafted lure just for Jared. I see the lure and I go, nah. I you don't, you don't even give it a little nibble? You don't even Not like even to, a little. I, I, I don't even it. feel the little like jiggling on the string. No, nah, it's like this is oh, this is being overfished. It's like a body of <laughs> But I will say this. I think it, this could be a really fun one for kind of the force it down your throat category we've talked about in the past of mm-hmm. like for you to put one on and be like, dude, you you have to watch this. You know what I mean? Because I've already like, got a few of those on the board, which is the only reason it's not going to get put on by me. Like I've got mm-hmm. uh, seven days in May on there for that exact reason. So uh, maybe when maybe once we do seven days in May, I can, I'll put Jerry Maguire on just as a fuck you. Take take your medicine. Yeah. Pick. <laughs> um. I don't think I can't think of any take your medicines uh, that I had because I know I have some, but I can't them come to mind. Um, I will be I will be honest. Here's a nibble on the lure. I don't have a great one for this week because I was a little bit caught with my pants down as I thought it was your week, and so I'm kind of like checking notes and scrambling. I'm looking at your list right now because we for the listeners we've got a doc going and and. Jared and I both have lists on this doc where we'll throw in movies that we've, you know, thought about as, as potentials that, that will go on. And I've picked off of the, my list quite a bit, but looking down your list, man, you've got some really, really solid options on here. Yeah. Um, so let me run through a couple just to see if you've seen any of these. Cause I'd like to do one that either. I will say seen. on, on your list, I've seen most of the ones that I'm thinking of as, as ones okay. that could be fun, but that's okay All with right. me. I'm going to hit these and say scene, no scene or whatever. The lobster. Scene. Okay. And I honestly, I don't really care to cover that. Okay. To live and die in LA. Scene. I, I okay, recommend that. I couldn't remember. I couldn't kid. remember how that yeah. got on there. Cruising. Have not seen. That's a freaking I haven't seen. I would so like cruise. to watch that. that. That's a potential. I'm between <clears throat> three movies. Cruising. Raising Arizona. Have you seen Raising? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I remember you showed me way back in the yeah, day. You showed me. I really like it. I, I don't yeah. like that movie quite as much as most people do. So it's between cruising 
and we might have a theft. I might be poaching a movie you have circled for a long time. Uh, so it's between Cruising and Paris, Texas. Sorry, I've misled you, Drew. I know what my gut is. My heart has finally spoken. It took me forever. I'm breaking the 70s drought. It's straight time. I want to watch straight time. Out of left field, and I like it. I, I, we, had, we had that choice between night moves and straight time, and ever since then, it's kind of been haunting me, and I've taken this big break from the 70s. It was in the press. You probably heard about it, but um, it's time. I'm very curious about this movie. It's another Videodrome recommendation. And it's the thing I'm most excited about. All of these other choices I'm very interested in, but it would feel like I'm just kind of putting one up there from the list. Straight Time is is a movie that I'm very curious about. And it's kind of like prime time Dustin Hoffman, and I don't know much about it. And I think Harry Dean Stanton is in it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. I, um, I remember when you brought this up as a potential when you put on Night Moves, and I remember reading the blurb on IMDb about it and being really excited about it as a potential. And I'm going to ride that excitement and I'm not going to go back and read what it's about because I want to go okay. in fresh. Cool. Cool. So all uh, I know who, is it's Dustin Hoffman. That's it. Yeah. Who knows when the hell we'll hit it, but I feel, I feel good about straight time for my nominee for this week. And I will say Jerry Maguire, I could see putting on there someday soon. And also, you were the person who told me about Paris, Texas. So I kind of want you to put it up whenever it feels right, okay. too. Okay. Well, that's definitely on my list of potentials. So it, it, I think that'll definitely get on at some point. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited by Straight Time because I really have no basis on like what to expect from it. And, and I think like just like going into Night Moves, that's exciting to me where I'm like, I, like I go, I I don't even know if I mentioned this on the episode, but I didn't even know that that Night Moves was in the noir category when I went mm. into it, and was so stoked when when yeah, when dude. I figured that out because I was like, "Fuck yes, I love this!" Dude, so that yeah, movie's I'm down. I'm down for Straight Time. That sounds great. Oh yeah, dude, sweet. 1978. Um, beautiful. Want to run through that list before I throw that dot? I would love to. At number one, you can count on me. Number two, Akiru. Number three, Zed. Number four, Rio Bravo. Number five, Alien 3. Number six, Anomalisa. Number seven, Amadeus. Number eight, Election. Number nine, Get Carter. Number 10, Limey. Number 11, Coraline. Number 12, Big Night. Number 13, Nashville. Number 14, Straight Time. Number 15, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Number 16, Secrets and Lies. Number 17, Seven Days in May. Number 18, Snatch. Number 19, Strange Days. And number 20, Altered States. Fuck yeah, dude. Lefty or righty? I, I want to ask you real quick before you throw it. I, we're going to say lefty. I, I, mm -hmm. For some reason, that sounds right to me. Anyone that you are excited to hit and any that you're hoping for. <laughs> Dude, I'm nervous to even say anything because we have this kind of like weird history with the board. But when you said the friends of Eddie Coyle, I was like, oh, my God, that's still on there. I feel like that has been on there forever. And there are movies that have been on longer. But for some reason, like it was over a year ago that I put that up. And I don't know if it's crazy. been that long. I think it's been less time than you think. The longest ones that I can remember being on are You Can Count On Me and uh, Amadeus. Those are the ones that strike me as the, the oldest. Oh, Amadeus. Yeah, that has been on there. <laughs> I would be down for Amadeus. Just if because we got I think Amadeus, it'd be a fun... it would be our third 1984 movie in a row. That would be fucking weird. All right. I'm doing lefty. 
Who knows? Let's or sorry, see what we, third out of four, because I, I forgot I Night, okay. Night Moves was in between Terminator and Karate Kid. But Terminator oh, and Karate right, Kid right, were right. both 84. Little ladies renaissance. All right, I'm going to chuck this thing. Let's see what we get. Two misses. <laughs> Worst left throws of my life. But we have some big news, Drew. Hit it. Number one has been hit. You Can Count on Me is coming off the board, and we are apologizing to Mark Ruffalo for the last time next week. Possibly this week. Maybe you just need to keep apologizing to him, because it's been, been as I mentioned earlier, that might be the longest standing. I'm pretty sure it is, because that was like the fourth or fifth week, I want to say. So Maybe even earlier. This has been one that has been on the board for fucking ever. Yeah, it's it's one that I put on. It's a filmmaker that I only discovered my love of him recently, um, recently within the last three or four years, um, I should add. But it's a Kenneth Lonergan film. I believe it was his debut feature film because he was a playwright and, and a, a, a stage director for a long time. Um, but I believe that this was his feature film debut and he also made, uh, a absolute fucking stone cold masterpiece called Margaret. And also he made uh, Manchester by the sea, which got a ton of attention a few years ago, but he is a incredible filmmaker. He's incredible at portraying humanity and, and, the the complexities of of living you know and i and i i'm just i'm very very excited to to check this off my list dude i i'm excited too. 2000s you can count on me currently available on canopy actually if you look it up on letterbox it doesn't look like it shows that but drew just checked it is there every other place if you don't have canopy pay to rent canopy is free library card drew's favorite pretty hard to argue with so i am excited about this for next week man it has been one that has been on there for like we said for fucking ever mark ruffalo is one of my favorite actors this is the movie that made him a star uh laura linney is fantastic and i'm excited to watch her performance in this so yeah very excited to check this off my list next week will be you can count on me but that will do it this week for our episode on the karate kid Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please remember to rate, review, give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. If you want to keep in touch or give us a recommendation, drop us a line at dartboardmovienight at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at dartboardmovienight. Artwork for the show is created by Veronica Roman, and all of our music is by Eric Williams. Play us out, Eric. Sorry, Mike. Later. Later.